Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the State of Retention Marketing Podcast. Today we have with us Ankit Rastogi. He's the Chief Product Officer at Angel Broking. He's had a fairly interesting career in the travel e-commerce space, has his own startup as well. And then now he's leading product for a traditional legacy organization, which has transformed itself into a very, very consumer-friendly front-end. Competing with the best in this category, competing with the uh, most aggressive digital native companies who are getting people to invest in the stock markets. Thank you so much for joining us, Ankit. Thank you. Awesome. So, well, maybe we'll just start with a bit of context on Ankit's journey, what led you here, you know, what's been the major points in the journey. Great. Um, I was uh, I was a techie. Most of us have been in that genre. Uh, gold medalist, com, com science guy, geeky, did three, four years of that. Uh, figured out that how I can move on. Then I think the best part happened instead of a great fancy MBA, probably opted for the entrepreneurial journey, which was not not that cool at that in those days. Sure. This was a stint from 2008 to 2013, I would say, close to 12, uh, 12 and 13. That was a travel commerce. Uh, we were trying to sell uh, way early when there was less, no 4G, no geo, no mobiles. Sure. And that led to joining uh, as an acquihire travel commerce. Hmm. And that, uh, after that, a decade of travel commerce where I saw um, all the aesthetics of how Flipkart and all that boom came in, right, 2014 and India started actually you know, transacting on mobile. 2014 and, India uh, mobile, sure. Correct. And then the first time mobile apps became a thing. Absolutely. Mm. Right. Uh, we had that episode of right going only mobile. Uh, yeah. Uh, right, some... Which was kind of very random and premature, but yeah. So with those nuances of how uh, assisted sales used to be the key Mm, there, right? And a lot of trust on uh, overall internet marketplaces was very difficult. I think there was, this was the very early stages. We had some cool um, hacks there at that time. Um, I was with GoIBBO as an acquihire mode. We did something like, I remember still a... Um, engagement um, hack of um, how how can we have photo reviews instead of because it was very tough for people to type in those mobiles blackberries and those used to be the days right uh, swipes were still not there right so yeah. but clicking a picture was so cool right so uh, but then picture comes with uh, you you need to do a lot of checks which are which was not there right AML was not there right? you can have profanity you can have something yeah. random coming in so those kind of things were learning. Uh, one interesting part in those uh, 10 years was the entire ecosystem of how uh, in travel commerce was how the seller facing systems also work because you need to have a bunch of suppliers and suppliers were I would say um, tier 3, tier 4, um, they were small hotels, large hotels, luxury, they had distribution challenges, they had brand challenges. So how do you bring to the customer uniformity that w- and trust that this is what you're purchasing? So the entire UGC kind of came up, the entire uh, play on content came up very strongly in travel, right? Um, the entire hiccups of post-trade, okay, if you don't like it, right, you are traveling for a great honeymoon break and something something goes wrong, right? How do you ensure that those experiences are taken care of? I think those were some large journeys, right, which ensure that the customers keep coming. It was a less frequency product, by the way. Uh, travel mm-hmm. used to be lots less frequent. Um, these days, I think it's like on the way. I think every weekend now in Bangalore, <laughs> we figure out where to where to travel. So it has become almost like homogeneous as e-commerce, right? And then, yeah, I think uh, all the product and business learnings. I thought like um, the time the COVID struck, I thought it's time to move on um, and uh, probably um, up my own challenge myself for more uh, challenges, right? And then this opportunity came in, and thanks to I think um, Angels. 
board, um, the entire management, they were looking for uh, risk takers um, um, who can come in from a digital first uh, background. And then uh, the company was looking for this transformation bottom up. Okay. And um, this is not just people, it's also cultural, it's also the way we um, brand ourselves from a financial stockbroking company to a fintech. Um, or, um, uh, born in uh, Bombay, um, uh, I was privileged to be probably one of the first few leadership hires in Bangalore. And that's how um, uh, we started uh, the Bangalore place. And then a lot of uh, incoming talent came in. Um, now we have the best in class from Amazon, Uber, Walmarts of the world. Um, and then, yeah, this journey also um, kind of conquered with the scale post-COVID, which almost all the fintech uh, has seen. And thanks to the India stack, I think um, brilliantly contributed, um, whether it's uh, EKYC, whether it is uh, UPI, which has enabled, um, I think, re the reduction in the transaction rates, failure rates. And the general, I think, participation in the retail equity space mm. um, I think yeah we have been we have been blessed I think that way um, and the scale we have seen in the last three years has been humongous so today we are in the forefront I think the top five players uh, contribute to almost 70-80% of the new acquisitions in the market um, that also as you mentioned comes comes in the challenges of how you retain and engage with this deluge of people so that's how we so, you know, uh, Ankit, it would be lovely to double-click on the whole aspect of angel broking being one, a 25-year-old organization, mm -hmm. the promoters deciding that we want to play fintech, in some sense, maybe inspired by all the action that's happening in the digital ecosystem, and then deciding to bring somebody like you on board with the level of mandate to build out this entire organization, right? Mm -hmm. And it's been, what, a three-year journey? Yeah. Something like that? Absolutely. How about you just tell us about the initial days of how this played out? Yeah, I think this has been a, this has been a, quite a challenging ride. Uh, um, I was, uh, I think, as I said, blessed by some more uh, CXO leadership we joined. We had a CEO who came in. Uh, we have a CTO. We have a lot of other leaders who have come in. Um, our entire Bombay leadership has also been fantastically supportive and they have also looked up to this. But yeah, initial days, it was quite a challenge to hire, for sure. Of course. Right. In fact, the tide has completely turned now. I think yeah. the number of people we, sh we see today who are showing an inward interest mm -hmm. just on our LinkedIn page has uh, scaled uh, humongously, I think. We have been, by the way, just yesterday we were announced as the top 50 in GPTW within the millennial category. Okay. So, right. so um, I think... Great place to work in case you didn't know. Uh, so that I think has been a constant um, evolution, um, beat our, uh, and then I think everything has played uh, there right from the people culture. Culturally, we have uh, been a very uh, you know, in some sense, Ankit, uh, younger place now. Hmm. So in some sense, uh, what I tend to see as a struggle with traditional companies trying to go through this whole digital transformation curve is the constant conflict between the legacy mindset, the people who have been around for a while. And those are people who have done technology to the level of the SAPs and the ERPs and whatever mm -hmm. systems had been brought in back then. And now when you talk about agile systems and Scrum and all of those kind of things, which are very normal and natural to new economy ecosystem, there's a degree of dissonance. So in some sense, what you're saying is Bombay versus Bangalore. Bangalore is the entire tech, tech, tech space, which means all the people who are brought in here are the ex-Amazon, ex-Uber. So they talk the same language. And these are people you resonate well with as well because you come from a similar background. But there's not as much, let's say, interference or uh, dissonance which was with, with Bombay in some sense. 
to to some extent but i think the one way where we were uh, i would say already pro towards tech is that i think the promoter and the board as we said mm. that though we were based out of bombay i think the utilization of uh, technology to solve the problems even when we had physical offices was always there so that sure. mindset just kind of helped tech okay. first absolutely mm. okay whether it was was driven by vendors versus in house team whether we had sure. some some ways to make it work right i think we were uh, we were ahead of the curve that time also mm. just that i think the entire team coming together oh, um, in house okay and i as i said uh, club with the ecosystem itself booming up okay it, it was almost almost like at the, at the right right time the good um, tailwinds from the external team as well and, and i i would say the risk appetite right that and and the trust the entire uh, management kind of trusted with us and uh, yeah uh, for example we took the decision of uh, just uh, changing our app okay that was one of the largest ever migrations we did um, when i joined in two and a half years back still we had close to a million dau uh, today we are blessed with 2 million plus um, probably it was slightly less than a million okay mm. and um, we were in we were at that time had just started the migration i will not say i had started but we were still thinking uh, but with this talent coming in house product tech data uh, martech right uh, and our business team getting uh, revamped uh, so i think all all this helped us to fast track that and we were um, at that time there was a very interesting problem which I, probably i would like to uh, discuss here that we had this dilemma that should we go into a two app migration you can continue the old one and should we have a second place store listing versus should we migrate all on the same app id which is like right sure. classic market problem right you have your seos yeah. you have what are campaigns um, we took the risk that and we had by the way examples uh, without naming the competition where the two apps were running and they were running for quite some time sure okay and there is there is always a philosophy that you can gradually shift yeah. the entire traffic on the other side including the discovery of the app right uh but we took a punt on that one app will work mm. that will give us it will be risky but then we'll put all our thrust on one that will ensure that there is no backups okay, okay. um we did this trial with beta almost for a year mm. it was not like that the second app was not there but it was in beta call it as much a punt then yeah <laughs> but the main app in production on the day was almost like just one sure it was never like you didn't had so we had obviously some loyal customers whom we had to have some teething troubles because you were not just changing the skin of the app right we were also doing the entire back end changes we have ruggedized uh, in tech technical language the stability hmm. uh, we followed up principle we followed in generally we use a lot in stars stars uh, simplicity transparency availability reliability and swiftness okay okay and you will hear them in a lot of our blogs and all our stories right so we were these were the core crux of everything which we were doing right so the app used to be Uh, while we were transforming it has to be simplified okay of course um, it has to be made more transparent in our domain how much trade and charges are uh, impacted sure. right what 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 does what are we doing with your money has to be extremely it's transparent it's a trust driven category absolutely right? mm. um, the availability itself is a big question and right? you have put in a trade and suddenly right then, yeah uh, right very uh, sensitive absolutely it has to be a very tactile feedback on the app mm. right reliability at itself right you can't go down right you are playing with obviously again serious money of course the rebound of time and then the speed so all this i think uh, all this is a classic example and in where, where this new team was able to deliver that and now i think that has become a benchmark 
you know, it would be interesting to zoom into this new team. What was the composition and how this was brought out in the journey of the last three years? Because usually you will prioritize a few things which are, let's say, the most urgent to get in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll find good people and you'll plug them in anyway. So how is this people mapping with the key functions that you had to pull together for this organization? And maybe let's zoom into your part of the organization because sure. obviously there is a larger context but then I'd love to zoom into the whole product it's, uh, mm-hmm. all itself and say okay these are the sort of people we brought in first then we did this then we did this then we did this what was the broad sequence okay so first to start I'll, as you said we'll just drill down on the product we had uh, we had a product team which was working okay it was not like I just set it up everything mm. but uh, we definitely augmented it with a lot of new talent uh, the first big thing was that my entire product or is for example slice and dice into some verticals and some horizontals okay for example, design and data was horizontal. They mm-hmm. were kind of servicing every, everyone, everyone, right? And there were a few vertical parts. Starting with, say, first of all, core equity B2C. Mm. We also have a B2B play. So there is a B2B vertical, there is a B2C vertical within equities. And then within this, also, there are uh, fairly senior PMs, SPMs who are fairly capable and independent. They were brought in. One other thing as a product leader, which I have realized, which is different from travel e-commerce is that in, 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 in this kind of a domain, it takes time for people to go and get running. Okay, It's kind okay. of very deeply domain oriented. Which is what I was going to ask you. Is this a lot of people with a lot of experience, some experience, relevant experience? What kind of uh, profiles do we pick? So one thing my promoter when he was hiring me and I had by the way no experience okay, of trading. right? I of was coming from travel. So he said that we have enough domain knowledge. You get the right people even if you get generic. I think we have the capability that they will. Domain knowledge we'll take care of. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And and knowing Angel, I think that was a trust that, right? At least the Anyway, right. it's not like there was a large supply of people who had a lot of domain knowledge in this side on the tech first world. So that also is for sure. They we have been, I think again from the technology side also, we have got few avid traders also as mm-hmm. techies, same okay. in product domain. But I think others all have learned on the on. Mm-hmm. But what we have been very patient is that give them autonomy, give them good problems to solve. Mm. And this is a fairly, fairly um, high throughput kind of a domain, right? Because you get spikes during the day expiry when the market opens, when it expires, right? You have Thursday expiries. So you need to have a high throughput systems running. Your uptimes have to be key. Um, your um, iota of uh, right uh, errors has to be much, much uh, lesser, right? Because you're playing, as I said, with decimals there. Right. Sure. And then uh, this was just equity. Huh? We had verticals like mutual funds, which which just came in. Which have just emerged we are, by the way, We are mm-hmm. the second largest in terms of uh, direct mutual fund SIPs, new SIPs being opened. Um, okay. And we have that product just eight, nine months uh, in. Uh, okay. Because because of the value of now the distribution is coming. Right? You have so much footfall on the app. Right? So Two million dollars is a lot of footfall. Absolutely. Okay. But so this this is how I'm saying these verticals were distributed. Um, so you have product or data and design is horizontal. You had somebody absolutely. looking at B2C equity, B2B equity, and then what else? Mutual, Mutual funds is a line of product. Correct. And these are all somewhat autonomous senior product managers with some degree of absolutely. not necessarily relevant, but experience to understand not, the Yeah, exactly. Domain uh, was not, a, not domain so much expertise of them, not necessarily. Barring, I would say few, if hmm. we can call it SMEs, subject matter sure. experts. Uh, charting is a very domain expertise thing. For mm. example, it's, it goes into technical analysis. So okay. we have uh, some talent there. Um, our entire core transaction play becomes very, very key domain stuff. But I think all, all of this team has been groomed organically, not, not just but One of the biggest wins that you would imagine being the customer-friendly user interface or experience that you talk about and tried yourself on will end up being a big shift from traditionally what, you know, a bank's stock app looks like. It's a Absolutely. nightmare from the user-ready point of view, right? 
And that's where uh, there's a substantial thrust. And was this a conscious thing that you knew and zero that you had to look at it differently because you come from a very different industry mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. usability ends up being the deciding factor between Absolutely. app one and app two, right? No, I think yeah, this has been, by the way, a tough dichotomy. In fact, conundrum. Mm-hmm. So we, if you look into the personas of our app, okay, the, the people who are coming in, we have diehard traders. And, and this is the one, by the way, who were who have been flourishing on Angel, not just because of new things coming, but they have been probably loyal. Sure. We have a few families whose third generation is trading on Angel. Okay. okay. And these, these could be far younger millennials, right? And, and then The first ones had probably called probably the broker correct. to make that happen. Absolutely. The second ones started with the application. The third one is now savvy, started off Absolutely. with the app itself. Okay. The app first. So that's that's one kind of a base which has been trading regularly, high frequency. They take larger bets and they have been there. Okay, and they are through and through traders. Okay, they know. And then, as I said, the last three years we have been a lot of first timers mm. who will embark on this journey. At some point, they will pick their segments where to trade, where there will be in derivatives or equity, commodity. They, they will kind of start, but they, the starting would be has to be extremely simple because you can't have barriers there, right? Unless you mm. stick on, you come in. If you are confused what to do, our, our job is as a product and team, right? To ensure that we have guardrails there, we have hand-holding there, right? So I think all those uh, stitches have been done with this new app, okay? Now it is, but but um, yeah, the it's it's a same screen where you need to solve for both this kind of yeah, that's only Correct. which is why the whole strength of usability and staying Absolutely. with the team topic till we get to a bit of a conclusion there is uh, that's the primary topic across mm-hmm. most mobile app companies given the amount of time and attention you have is finite so from the team architecture you spoke about some horizontal setup and a couple of vertical setups what was the evolution like was it something which you kind of set up as a foundation play that okay in my first quarter or two I need to solve and stabilize this because this is going to become critical for anything else we want to do. Mm. Or was this something that, okay, part one, this, Solden, and then keep moving while you'll keep building as you go along. How was the team building approach? Fantastic question there. So I think, as I mentioned, the first, our first word problems were that um, this data team was set up, okay? And okay. then whether our instrumentations were right, because I knew that this gestation will go. And data itself is the last topic, Absolutely. right? Because you will want just the data flows for the app to function, but then there's a lot of analytics and then there is potentially ML and then there's potentially a bunch of other things you want to do with Correct. it. Correct. I would say that we are still 60-70% there. Today okay. we have got our funnels right, we can capability to monitor is right. Sure. We have started doing some um, AI ML based experiments. Mm-hmm. We are still early there. And you know, because I'm going to keep taking you back to the team topic because sure. when you hired your first data guy, was he a data scientist or a data engineer or a data infra guy or you know what was he that was, he was head like? of product analytics head of product. Was exactly so it was the sort of big a top down sorts absolutely and then he built his team ahead okay. we had few analysts mm-hmm. by that time they were they were you can say uh, adjacent to the product manager sure. working but we didn't had a great and org, org. absolutely mm-hmm. so that org inception started happening so and uh, kind of a similar bit that was taken on you that you took on somebody who may not have come from the industry but absolutely. was a good analytics guy and he became correct. the head of product analytics correct. So the entire uh, product analytics stack started to get built correct. with him in fact just three months back uh, two months back now we have an entire independent org what is what sort of product it's called a cdo has joined us, she's data okay. officer, which will kind of further groom it. But I'm saying this journey in two it's years. It's a journey. Yeah. Which is why, you know, the part that gets very easily glossed over in very quick panel discussion conversations is this level of detailing, right? So product analytics became a critical component for you to solve. And now UX and design you mentioned, which was the other horizontal, but a critical component to solve. What kind of people are these? Where do they come from? Uh, what level of experience are we talking about? For example, our um, head of analytics joined us from Intuit. Okay. 
um he had worked in banking in us mm. he had done his masters in us and then he came in fairly fairly deep um and that time that's why intentionally it was product analytics it was not data analytics we wanted exactly. to solve the product funnels first sure. okay now today when you can say that you can merge in business analytics and general data and then it becomes like the analytics org which Correct. is like the uh independent of function mm. so first what problems was uh, again with the new app can we have the instrumentations right can we have the capability to monitor things real time can we attribute rightly which is very very important right, <laughs> right. yeah uh, first clicks last clicks in our in our space by the way w- what you mentioned right these different kind of personas will take different kind of routes to someone will use charts someone will use a watch list someone will put a order someone i can if i am a investor probably i'll just go to my portfolio and keep buying more yeah right so there are um, there are different it's it's not like a one point uh, mm. attribute it is the pattern you will follow okay few people will do abc others will. so for us that org was a very very fundamental org the second one as you said that entirely the design org we had some outsourcing designs we had some partners who used to help us we brought in in line um Did again you chose to kind of get external expertise because it was hard to hire in house or it was like the expertise available i, I would, would say go to market at that time was for us was speed. important at speed and we were we were banking on with very capable partners again sure. who were helping us but i think lately we built that talent uh, over period you tend to build this in house but absolutely. you couldn't have done the same thing for for portal analytics that had to be done in house design you could still find somebody else absolutely. to do it but the judgment on what what's going to work and what's your brief is is still all yours so that uh the let's say high level ownership is still in house but uh, you can get the execution done externally in some sense okay. so this is and then the each pm which you mentioned was mm. um these pm have been groomed beautifully they have been given a lot of autonomy if i am leading so you brought them in raw or you know what was the typical experience of when somebody joined you as a pm I think initially it was very overwhelming. I think one thing which we kept interesting with these people was hang on. Okay. Sure. Um, we are changing. The app is changing. The org yeah. is changing, right? And then you are asked to re- do some re-engineering work, right? Which is almost like reverse engineering. What has been happens? Running, right? Um, our uh, we have some interesting um, transformations which we did in last two years with these PMs mm. was that monitoring the pulse of our customers. So we have um, we also have a customer success program manager. Okay. Okay. Who runs a horizontal? This is a part track. of the part or? Yeah. Okay. Um, here is a horizontal track that all the feedbacks which are coming from all channels. So we have four or five channels by the mm. way, and we have been, um, I would say, very astute in now, and I can say very proudly uh, understand what the customer sentiments are okay. from our customers. And for example, uh, we have something called contact ratio, uh, which is simple number of people, unique people who are reaching us in word. Hmm. Uh, denominator of the number of unique users who have transacted in a day. Okay. So day on day, you get your contact ratio. Your contact ratio should move down. Uh, each contact is a cost, right? Of each course. contact is a friction for for your yeah. attention, right? So and most of the contacts could be because of your product, because of your business. It, it could be your charges. It could be something from. By the way, we have our humble friend regulators who are product managers for us, right? Yeah. This is a heavily regulated space. So, so this channel of contact, uh, VOCV, we call it voice of customer, which mm. is for all the internal customers, which is with our customer service team. So we have a very close track that all these PMs uh, understand what is going on in their areas for which customers are reaching out. For example, if I'm acquisition, by the way, one of the vertical um, other pod has been acquisition pod, which I didn't mention. Within the product org itself. Within the product org. So this would okay. be the one that will collaborate the most closely with the marketing with the marketing. Absolutely. So the landing page funnels and Absolutely. the install base and activation Correct. and all of that. Okay. And, and and you know since we are regulated our KYC has to be with has some minimum stuff there sequence. is EKYC there are some signing there is yeah. some bank checks yeah. and blah blah you know right so that has been 
um, a great point. We are also we have just incepted two three months back. We have started on dedicated on retention pod also, where we are trying mm-hmm. to look into how unstalls, what's going around. Uh, there is some lifetime value for our customers, right? And and uh, we have also taken uh, since we are moving into a super app kind of a model, which our latest campaigns talks about sure. that. Uh, we will have some new products coming in, just yeah. not direct mutual funds. We may have lending coming in tomorrow. We may have insurance, and we may have we may be selling FDs and so on and so forth. So we have. You know, I'm going to ask you some probably basic question, but is that retention pod and acquisition pod horizontal or vertical? To me, this is vertical. Okay. Uh, the 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 uh, there is a handshake where your acquisition will kind of sure uh, leave it, but and then your acquisition is largely driven in one particular category, two categories, or how does that? predominantly work okay so that way i think it's it's uh, from a product dog i will say um, it's it's uh, vertical but yeah when you acquire a customer obviously you acquire for all all the stuff see um, the i would say that way also it's still vertical but we mm-hmm. at some point it will become horizontal because we have been imagine. an equity player okay so, so today when we acquire mm-hmm. we don't acquire for a uh, dedicatedly say for lending or mutual sure, fund, but at some, point for equity. Will, at some point we will. So the whole cross-pollination will become, I think, a charter for your retention guy to cross-sell, upsell, absolutely, whatever. Absolutely. But the acquisition collaborator in the product side is ensuring that the inbound funnels or whatever traffic is coming in is converting and activating in the most effective way possible. Effective. Right. So that's a more horizontal uh, play in some sense and it'll I wonder if it will get vertical at some point. But more important than that, it's a lender being the retention guy to now look at cross-pollination of all shapes and sizes to say uh, the entry point was uh, equity investment. Mm-hmm. But now this guy can potentially be a valuable user for all of these all things. Other asset and from that lens, the the size of this org will be a proportion of what are the different things you're looking to offer and how many segments are coming in, mm-hmm. right, in some sense. So... What I see in terms of your journey, your analytics came in, your design kind of brought in subsequently. It was partly outsourced for a bit in between. Then you had a customer uh, service side of interfacing where people would know what's happening with the pulse of the customer. Then now you're talking about the acquisition part and then you're talking about the retention part. And this is where the evolution is being. What is the size of the org if you can just put that uh, number in perspective? We have close to 400 plus uh, tech team. Um, okay. uh, I have close to 50 plus PMs. Hmm. Um, and these are I'm just talking about PMs we sure. have close to 20, 20 plus design team hmm. um, close to 23 exactly precisely so 50 PMs um, 23 designers 400 engineers we have all of it goes to making that correct. app work and we have analytics of close to 30 plus okay okay which is part of the data org now and analytics um, which is uh, now this is going to go beyond the product analytics it'll, 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 it'll balloon but product analytics will also merge with the data correct now we'll have obviously some, some bit of data integration layer mm-hmm. we'll have an AIML layer we'll have ML ops so sure. that'll itself that'll have its own own, let's correct. say charter um, uh, one one thing just to add on mm-hmm. when I was saying on the customer track side right? we had the uh, customer success program mm-hmm. manager mm-hmm. Um, so we um, we have these four or five channels one I told you as VOC the sure. second one is the NPS uh, we have been, I think, one of the few orgs which has been able to crack because there are no public numbers on NPS, right? You will see in some blog somewhere that yeah. NPS is. And obviously, there are US stats like, say, Netflix NPS would be, say, 60 plus. At that point, the flywheel will start rotating, right? People will start referring sure. automatically. The word of attention. Absolutely. Um, so we have, without disclosing the absolute, but we started from abysmal low. So, And we have this, uh, I think we have cracked that algo well that we have something called touch point score. Okay, because we have different journeys, right? So sure. if you are a chart user, we'll prompt you at some point um, through our campaigns or through a native nudge kind of a platform which you have built in internally that how do you like this? Okay. okay. Mm, and if you 
obviously rate us as a detractor we'll try to get a reason just mm. two questions mm. so this aggregate of these tps and these tps are now being prompt say once in x days frequency 60 90 so that we don't bother you but you still sure. you can rate it's us again still, it's still a lot of feedback that will come in every day absolutely mm. so across say, close to 10 precise journeys we will ping you mm. and aggregate of this will become your nps okay this this touch point score will lead to an net promoter score this net promoter score what we have realized is that over a period now Hmm. while it will fluctuate on one day or other day but the broad aggregate trend is a very good pulse of how your customers are doing Fair so enough. this is so this is gives us almost like it keeps us on our toes if you have a review which is a detractor who has actually not liked this hmm. we will immediately get a pulse and all these pms including myself i think we have this charter that we look this granularly week on week Okay. and i think we have a fantastic trend there uh, we disclose in our public results being a listed entity that how how it's inching north so that's that second one third one is the entire feedback on app store and play store which is a common which is a I public information but correct. it's a good correct. pulse sure correct absolutely so today we are rated around close to 4.3 on play store 4.1 on app store and if you look into historically we have come a long long mm. way in fact during the migration there was a time when we were looking at to dip because a lot of the loyalists were not liking right what we are doing we we holded our fort and i think that's that's we came around and the fourth one has been the way we reach out right just very recently we did some workshops we continue to being a b2b and b2c mix mm. we continue going feet on street we go down we keep meeting our traders what they are doing our partners we have a um, decent um, in the b2 in the b2b team we have a decent uh, bms business managers who are uh, who keeps giving us what is going on in the pulse right so we take all this filter it harmonize this and constantly i think this goes into the road map so i think that's that has been honestly so a challenge as a product leader that you take a customer problem you also take into a business problem you take a revenue initiative and that's how, how do you squeeze in your and then you finally prioritize it because Absolutely. ultimately the engineering bandwidth will be what it will be so very interesting approach you know uh, i understood the people side of things i'm going to get a little bit on the technology stack side of things in terms of what are the support ecosystem that you put together through this journey so when you have to do product analytics you have to have a product platform which is going to enable you to do this some of it might also mean build versus buy conversations because you've mm-hmm. seen enough of that journey as a tech leader across mm-hmm. your previous avatars mm-hmm. so did you choose to build anything from scratch like okay, this is you know you mentioned the whole nudge bit uh, mm-hmm. had to be built in house because maybe there Absolutely. was no external solution that would solve the problem so what was this broad uh, evolution like in terms of the pieces of the puzzle that you brought together interesting so i think yeah as i mentioned it has been a i would say assembled kind of a play not not uh, that's become the most common practice now assemble correct, it the correct, way you care about correct something mm. you have built in our entire clicks team for example uh, we have built in all ourselves okay. we, we don't use any any the entire uh, clicks team you're capturing absolutely, yourself absolutely, and this dashboard is in in house absolutely wow, okay right. Uh, the visualization is on Tableau, um, on Amazon really? Cloud. We have pretty much. You embarrass a bunch of these product analytics tools, but okay, this is impressive. <laughs> uh, we are on Redshift, um, on, on the warehousing front. Sure. Um, we have entire pipelines which we have set up. We have the best in class, I think, on the on the cloud, mm-hmm. which manages it. Uh, within the analytics, um, the entire tech stack, by the way, has uh, we have revamped. Um, Uh, the entire backends have been rewritten in Golang on, on the engineering front. Was this like an approach when you came in that we'll build an MVP first, get rolling, and then keep expanding from there, or was this something you already knew that this is how it has to be done? So we build it right for the first time. I think we we, we went for the second one. We knew yeah. that it has to be done in this way. Um, and um, yeah, and, and I think we have been uh, good thing with the new rollout has been now. Uh, Ankur is that we are capability to experiment has gone. Far better. Of course, that's uh, the underlying infra that's available. Absolutely, to right. 
um, the entire um, we have almost like the entire mutual fund if you access within uh, angel it's all almost like a trusted web app we call TWA, uh, mm. one of the best performing apps in the industry by Google standards also. Sure. Um, so we have few native play, we have few trusted web app play, we have few screens on Flutter, um, I think, yeah. So that's as so a... Solving choices made <laughs> consciously. Um, yeah, and I think um, we continue evolving. There mm. also, I think, um, what, what would be, uh, as I mentioned, with the stars framework, I think we need swiftness and reliability are, I think, two very key aspects. Yeah, which becomes that. interesting because uh, a lot of times in the interest of speed versus, uh, in some sense, quality. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people do tend to take quality for a toss that, okay, we'll rebuild it when we have to. But right now, we're in a very aggressive competitive situation. So we have to get this out in a certain time frame. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with these decisions? <laughs> very tough one, honestly. I think there is always a pressure that can you do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, mean, I want it tomorrow. <laughs> Correct, or maybe correct. yesterday, right? I think so. There also, uh, it's a mix and match. Um, few of our tracks within the company, I would say, are, for example, the entire, uh, we call it a new NBU, new business units which are coming in. They are relatively more agile. Um, sure. Uh, so, I, it's like a SWAT team which will turn things around fast within correct, their body. Correct. There, mm. there is a bit of metric structure there. Uh, the product was very keenly with business. Business um, has a, uh, you can say, a hand on how prioritizing because they need to ship out faster. The sprints could be lot more uh, shorter in cycle. Sure. On the other side, on equity, for example, in this year after migration, we have been trying to become more predictable and more planned. Okay, mm. So we are t- trying to literally, uh, few people joke that this becomes like a large IT service company, but we feel that this is how it is needed because we have done that something. And sure. during migration, we were like shipping every 15 mm. days. Mm. But now since we have a very decent large base, you can't surprise them every other day, right? And regression becomes a very big problem in, in kind of our kind of play. When you have a predictability, it means that things should work. Yeah. It's okay if you don't ship something for maybe a 15 day, mm, that's okay. Mm, but mm. once you have shipped something, probably it has to it work. It has to be a way more reliable. Absolutely. Than... Correct. Um, I think we are we are coming into that stage where we would be, I think, much more smarter with our ABs, um, mm. our experimenting frameworks will come in. Still, I would say not there 100%, but those those things I think we will, will see, I think, more and more on our apps coming in. Um, yeah, so I think this side of equity, it's it's almost like we have gone into very, very granularly how we plan our sprints. It's how a steady we state now. So, in terms of the evolution yeah. also, I mean, there's only so much more that you can do with that specific experience Absolutely. in some sense. And right. the additional components wherein the new products are going to come in is where probably the new space to experiment will lie. That's where... Uh, I would imagine you'll not experiment in the entire base. You'll take a small little subset Absolutely. and you'll do something with it, Correct. make it work and then expand further Correct. from there. And, and and that's why on this predictable side, I think, uh, sorry, on the stable side, we need to be as product, as tech, as analytics, we need to be predictable. Can mm. we bring a foresight that when we release this, uh, it's almost like the PRD, if I write, it should say that this should be able to move this metrics. There has to be a lead indicator by sure. this person. Because it may be utterly wrong. We will monitor it obviously after 15 years. But the art and science of writing it that way and hmm. giving that uh, right gumption look is very, very needed in this much. On the other side, I think you can iterate and faster and you can fail faster. I think that's, so that's in some sense, you have like multiple products now running within the Absolutely. lab at all because this is stable, steady ship going. Don't tinker with it too much because the room to mess up is very little. You have pretty much zero room. This is the experimental space. You want to work with a small audience. You can play with it a little bit here and there. But... I mean, obviously, within the boundaries of uh, maintaining the brand reputation. It's a very trust-built kind of a category overall. And uh, I wonder how forgiving people are to some of these situations when things don't work out. Did you oh. ever have a downtime situation where a critical hour in the market and your app is not working and you had to deal with it? 
no big time actually we have it we had it uh, in fact uh, um, there are so many i think players um, beyond your app which which are could be unforeseen right dependencies yeah. right you have depositories like cdsls you have kra agencies you have exchange itself sure. right and obviously our humble sebi is there right of course the big daddy so i think yeah there there could be ecosystems which can uh, fall flat or so i think that's where i think we are we are also trying to become more resilient mm-hmm. do we have backup services right do we have redundancies of that our internal um, play on um, just the notifying capability right of turning around a sequ- bad sequence of events and bringing it up surfacing it early with a with a probably if not great accuracy to say a majority accuracy that okay this will uh, this has come this has gone down it will come up in this much time mm. the service is not there i think that's where we are trying to uh, go deeper lots now. of pieces of the puzzle to be put together and the, i think the size of the puzzle keeps expanding in some sense because it's always more. but what you just said right we are we are roasted i think on the, on that way I that you know, so, go right? to our play store reviews and any time something is in this ecosystem is not working obviously that it's the nature of the game it's a high stakes game it's a high involvement of f most people who are using the platform that's why reliability continues to be a very very thick very of this uh, stack um uh, one more other thing which we have kind of helping us to kind of uh, iterate faster even on this side of which is the core balance side which you said right the equity side is that um, we revamped our entire, entire web platform um, and we feel that the desktop trading right because these are heavy traders okay and you have large real estate there right beat your charge beat you have you have to look into watchlist parameters so we have revamped that along with the app and sure. now we are seeing a great traction there we What's feel the broad that, split between desktop versus mobile in terms of dow let's say are are um, close to almost like our 80 85% is by the way android 10% is uh, ios and 5 6% oh, so is just, um, that's super small yeah, but yeah. very aggressive but that's very sticky right mm. and uh, interesting part is that the consumer behavior there says that um while i may not trade from web but i will probably open it as a watch. second screen mm. and watch it and then right, it's something like it's it. always on right Absolutely. for some people it's a second right. screen which is there which you'll keep watching all the time okay. so i think that that's where we we feel that all the uh mature pro trading fraternity can actually utilize that more and more and mm. because this overall funnel will kind of grow keep actually, growing right so it's a power user in some sense absolutely interesting so we got a little bit about the people side of things mm-hmm. a little bit about the tech side of things maybe there is room to go a little deeper in the tech is mm-hmm. there anything that you made a choice or okay this is a piece of tech which we need to invest in upfront and you built some of the st- analytics mm-hmm. stuff in house already but apart from that there are more tech pieces that get involved right so there would be let's say a data lake that you would have brought in the amount of data you're dealing with is insane mm-hmm. was there ever a cost question that this much of data is going to cost so much and we need to rethink this or something of that nature how do you deal with this i think that we again the the entire uh, i would say management again has been uh, we were very pro uh, two years back i think we shifted a lot of our stuff to cloud okay yeah. um, uh, by uh, uh, sebi guardrails we need to have something on prem the core trading can't move in there sure. but all the ancillary stuff has been mm-hmm. now on on cloud uh, we are supposed to be um, having excellent um, backup strategy we are dr data retention uh, data as well as backups correct data and those data. are regulated so you regulated can't kind of do much right. about so we have just upgraded our um, infra that side we have moved to a better data center the earlier one was on the plague with sure. a lot of legacy <laughs> stuff right so i think those things are also play a very very important role in your the, library factor right absolutely. if data centers if they go down like okay, nothing can be done right. 
we have um, we are dependent on our order management slash um, risk management system which which are third party systems which interact with the last mile layer with the exchange um, so we are um, ensuring that uh, can we we are attempting to write that of our own mm. today it's kind of a uh, universal player which supports also yeah, this core equity to support i think is a very uh, technically you can say challenging stack with this scale that's also where uh, uh, you choosing to replace some parts of the pipe that you have absolutely. with the external ecosystem in some sense yeah. but you have the appetite to do that now because everything else is sort of stabilized and the equity yeah. team can afford to invest time in some yeah. of these other components yeah. Interesting. On the Martech side of things, then there is this whole term called CDP, and then there is uh, yeah, all of those things that support the advertising side of thing, and then there is this whole campaign management, and then there is engagement data coming in. Uh, how does that look for you? Uh, pretty interesting. So I think yeah, we are also in our phase of enriching our CDP. We already started this journey quite long back. I think three mm-hmm. years with the, when I mentioned that our instrumentation has started coming into play. So this has started enriching. Today we have close to. Um, I think close to 400 uh, metadata each customer which we kind of All aggregate. All the 15 million KYCs if you have. Correct. Uh, and uh, I think it's it's a long way. Um, Beat your uh, as you said starting signals of all the way from KYC or what you have given to us. Sure. Um, your first trade data. How do you behave on the app? Like the whole mixed stream, right? Absolutely yeah. correct. And and this is a very interesting, right? Because. um we have very swinging personas right on one day as i mentioned you will be doing x things other day you will become probably an investor our uh, core goal is that you keep engaged and horizontally mm. you spread your wings right you should have a stock sip also you should have a mutual fund sip mm. also you should trade also correct and that's how you'll be more sticky and engaged right so you have uh, i think huge number of data points coming in yeah. this i would say we are still at a stage we will just start leveraging this today mm-hmm. we are in in terms of augmenting this into our cdp um entire post trade bit is very very interesting for us we have seen lot of um, anxiety in the customers when after the trade right a okay. post trade funnel right um, how is my reports during taxation season uh, there would be a deluge mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. who are looking mm-hmm. for is my pnl plus minus yeah. there yeah. is um, long term capital gain short term capital gain Uh, if you're an intraday trader, you have a day of day PNL which is coming, yeah. there, right? Um, the entire bit of though we are into discount trading, still people will figure out, right? Uh, right, how much they are paying us uh, versus they are actually there is uh, there is government tax taxes like STT, uh, statutory charges. So all this leads to a lot of um, earlier it used to be I would say not by design but by the simple lack of I think uh, bringing it on the app because of real estate and usability. I think now it has become very very. transparent mm-hmm. thanks to the regulators also it has become transparent so i think that funnel started working very well and as a result we see our customer interactions on those queries have also started reducing which also see. helps mm-hmm. us in long term retention operational efficiency as well operational efficiency right so, so this the, this i think is all knitting together well um, so in terms of bringing all of this data together and reaching a cdp is in some sense you've gotten phase 1 phase 2 sorted yes. but there's still more right. work to be done but okay. are there data sources which are not coming in for your cdp yet and that's okay to wait for a certain time what would those be i think for example just the just the inception of now new products um, mm. and we need to tie uh, tie it right for example if you have come in and you have done a mutual fund sip and you've been doing it for x days um, as you said right at what point we should start up selling you cross selling you right uh, should we nudge you on equity now later 
or the other way right it's so all orchestration choices you know what i was curious more about right now is you know what happens uh, a lot of times is when somebody imagines a cdp this seems like a behemoth of a project right mm-hmm. they have to have all of these data sources together and then it has to come in it has to stitch together nicely it has to start to make sense i have to do segmentation analytics on top of it then perhaps create my first campaign so in that sense the whole time to value seems like really far off Oh, what I'm trying to understand better is: Is there a room to kind of close smaller loops to say that okay, you get this stuff in, you do this with it. There's some sort of outcome, some sort of output value created, and then you can keep expanding that scope. How do you see that? Uh, I think the answer is somewhere in the middle, as you said, right? Mm-hmm. You have some quick wins. For example, if I if I uh, if we are collecting say say 40 attributes are on your portfolio or 30 attributes, right? Uh, a simple uh, say a use case from the CDP could be that whether you're um, when you are exiting a if you are a positional trader and if you are exiting your portfolio uh, and you are about to do that in say 300 days versus 365 days your entire 15% versus 10% would have actually made a difference of 5% i'm saying now short term gain versus long term gain now mm. that's a very cool hack right yeah. um, just just the data tells you right that uh, please don't uh, do it on x day you should have done it x y and y now similarly if your portfolio is considered very biased towards say one kind of segment say you only invest in it okay but the banking is probably doing well right so this is portfolio oh, right diversification so in some sense uh, what i hear you do is a lot of uh, analytics on top of the raw attributes you've collected and put a bunch of derived attributes derived. to the user absolutely and that seems to be a large part of the cdp play in that sense that you have all of this raw information i mean you have to collect that data and to process it to answer the fact that he's an it preferred buyer because it might not okay. show up in the raw okay. attributes to begin with absolutely. and likewise more behavior and likewise yeah, you, these are quick and small wins while mm. you do the stitching as you said for sure. a longer long see mm. the cdp should i ultimately able to tell me your persona is actually but that's like a it's a rare, ongoing journey right you keep expanding correct, correct. i don't know if i make one trade can you able to you able to tell me my risk capital absolutely. you won't be but my if right. i do 10 maybe you will be and then that's where uh, the whole maturity is an evolving game but Uh, the room for quick wins exists in is what i was trying to establish that okay if you can do something with the initial set of data you have Absolutely. there's always room to put that in execution Absolutely. because what tends to happen is you know when these uh, generally what we are seeing this large implementations of new martech mm-hmm. and new cdp stacks it's a year long project by the time you get to anything which is meaty you've already lost track of what you probably originally started mm-hmm. out with in some cases the companies have had even longer implementation time frames which means certainly the team that actually started this whole project seems to have moved on which ends up becoming like a whole question mark on the martech <laughs> subject itself that is this worth our while and to me that's like a big waste because there's so mm-hmm. much you could do with just maybe a quarter bit of uh, some in- integrations in some sense right so that's interesting but so the cdp part is one piece that i understand from the engagement side of things is this something that you're already across as many channels as you need because you're also dealing with a large country with multiple mm-hmm. languages multiple geographies mm-hmm. and multiple interest areas so how do you deal with that side of things at this point i think yeah well, i would say still um, we had at one point um, experimented with say just on the localization bit with mm-hmm. with some partial localization i would say um, our honest answer that time was that it was not worth the effort okay okay um, though by the way lot of our acquisition and lot of our customers are from tier 3 and tier 4 today um, we feel that uh, with whatever basic um, thanks to the the entire ecosystem which has come in i think they are able to being in english today whether our app mm. is in english at one point we may move on to different languages but i'm saying the effort of doing that doing that was not worth the hours very interesting is um, i have a different example from the lending ecosystem mm-hmm. i don't know if you'll get there anytime mm-hmm. soon but sure. that ecosystem they saw 
they were putting about 30 paise for 8 rupees worth of no 1 rupee worth of money for 8 rupees worth of loan disbursed mm -hmm. and then they went vernacular across the board and there was not too many languages that to deal with and that moved them to 30 paise for a 24 rupee loan Oh. So it's almost a multi-x improvement yes, sure. just by you know switching languages in that sense because perhaps the nature of the market they were dealing with was such. But regardless, let's come back to uh, yeah, the text absolutely. Question. Maybe that will be a problem at some stage, but today. So not, language yeah. is not the lens to worry not about right now. But from the engagement but stack, the, engagement the channels side, is there a topic that okay, these are the five channels that would work for us because uh, a large number of people might or might not be active on email, but you have apps on their phones, so pushes would work. Browser sure. pushes might. No, what are the channels really. that you think are actively working some, for you? Some the best ones are being, as you said, uh, the push uh, works, the, the maps work, the, right, for sure. Um, I told you that we have worked, invested on partially often our own mm. internal product, we call it GRIP, sure. G-R-I-P. Um, the capability through GRIP to target a cohort. Um, this is in the app itself during the experience? Yeah, absolutely, during, this, during your journey. Um, for example, we have say something called SEBI um, mandatory funds flush out, right? So whether it will be 30 day or 90 day, depending on your preferences. Mm. Uh, now we need to ensure you that you have X amount which will be going out um, from our uh, wallet to your bank account. And we want obviously ideally you should come back because it's inconvenience tomorrow when you'll suddenly come to trade and you'll find out of balance. The money's out. The entire, that entire grip run nudges help you. Uh, preempt you that from happening. Absolutely. Sure. Lot of our um, activation or say um, after activation trades uh, where we are just apprising you that your portfolio, we it's, we recently had something like super portfolio where you we give you a consolidated a single view that, of everything. Absolutely. That you mm -hmm. are not on mutual funds. You're not on say bonds, uh, SGBs and all. So that helps. So any of such nudges, um, we have new and new indices keeps coming in. right? Um, and this is all on the grip. This is all platform. on the grip. So that helps a lot. In and some it, sense, you chose to build this than license this. Absolutely. Again, a question of maybe cost structures or maybe capabilities or maybe just the tightness of flexibility you wanted here. So both both things, I think we, we wanted here. Uh, the last one was very important that the, the congruence of this in-house was mm. uh, the stickiness and the way we were implementing it. We thought that the entire freedom which we'll get with this one was far higher. And our capability, I think that way tech was we were confident. I don't think, in my impression, the capability is never in question. It always is the prioritization that's in question, right? Because you always have more things to do. But regardless, if it's such a critical component of your business, it might just make sense to control that more tightly. So, okay, that's a lot of interesting bits about the people, tech, data side of things. In some sense, I'd love to zoom in on the external context of where Angel Broking today stands. You're not in a very free space, in some sense. It's a competitive space. At the same time, there is headroom to grow. There's some room for category creation for a lot of people who are going to do this for the first time. Absolutely. Help us understand in terms of how digital transformation has made it possible for you to compete with the digital natives, while there'll be a whole bunch of other traditional broking houses which have not gone through a similar aggressive mm -hmm. transformation, who are likely losing market share. Mm -hmm. So what's your impression of this whole context? Yeah, I think we have been astutely, I would say, nimble-footed. We, I think, uh, again, thanks to the promoters, they were able to... They got you write. in to begin with, right? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's also part of an answer, but sure. but for sure I think uh, the foresightedness that exactly as you said that we were we would have lost the ground we would have not taken mm -hmm. that that seriously mm -hmm. and um, again it comes from the top and it has to percolate to the bottom again and again and I, as we say that still I would say we are seventy eighty percent there we have mm -hmm. a long mile to go again I'm sure um, on your question of just the ecosystem right mm -hmm. absolutely the top five players are the digital players today who acquire almost like seventy five eighty percent of the new Hmm. Um, DMAT uh, okay. acquisition share. 
and uh, yeah there has been legacy players who has challenged or a lot of buying bank brokers um, mm. uh, definitely are losing ground um, they need to obviously rethink the strategy uh, we are seeing a lot of uh, consolidation in terms of the super app uh, mm. uh, play uh, uh, i think each one of them have taken their different routes some are coming with say, dedicated apps for different use cases um, our uh, uh, i think um, conviction has been that it is, has to be a one app which mm. should, should be able to solve doesn't mean that uh, one large monolith it could be a app in app kind of a structure but um, we see that with the new age youngsters coming in if we are able to service them with different use cases this customer has a lifetime value of uh, almost like 30 40 years starting from the first say equity trade to say or or offer as mutual fund sip to say at some point as they mature they may look for a say two wheeler insurance they may look as as we expand into lending which will be as probably a big play uh, a need for a personal loan so all all these are i'm saying example of touch points right um, and um, the expansion would be coming from largely tier 3 tier 4 the new age audience which is coming in and that's why all of this will be what you mentioned first to the market um, three two three things which will ensure that this goes long mile is um, having hand holding of such customers early uh, right um, can we simplify that again on the stars thing that what uh, we find that is there a iota of confusion what what should we do next right should be able to pro- proactively tell mm. them right a bit of education learning uh, in our domain helps a lot uh, that also is a financial literacy play whether you transact with us or someone else i think we are the Uh, category creator so we need to take that onus of uh, education uh, education customer support um, your entire uh, we are a big believer that it should be all self serve kind of a model okay you should ideally your app should be able to, right your queries should be able to resolve rather than and that's why i mentioned early there is a contact ratio there is nps we should we feel that those touch points should be as minimal In, in some sense, so. uh, what would give you the competitive advantage or the relevance to stay with the next bunch of tier three tier four users, the first time traders, is would you kind of credit that to the usability or the whole star framework you spoke mm-hmm. about, obviously? Mm-hmm. But some of that is table stakes now. So, what do you think your edge will come from? I think uh, I didn't mention, but as I mentioned, we will mm-hmm. be starting off our personalization. We have some some bits of personalization sure. space that will give us definitely a edge. Today, in what? Uh, step of your journey you are there hmm. the app definitely is cognitive of it's that it's cognitive okay. of that okay uh, okay um, again uh, there is a chance of fat fingering in our space when we do too much of personalization because we don't know how that context switching will happen sure. so i think that's all some things we'll learn we'll leverage our cdp at some point to of kind of bifurcate dissect that yeah. but yeah there are there are some clear cohortizations which is coming in so that that should be able to help uh, us in that game and as i mentioned that this young millennial lot we have a strong feel that they want to figure out themselves right mm. you need to just assist them rightly you can't um, right hand hold them to the t but at the same time you should have to give your cues right for example something like first time user experience mm. uh, which is usability part of it so if you are new to a say sub product or a segment within our app um, we definitely give you experience that this is how it will pan out like this will look like this right so those are i think some of the elements which from the usability perspective from reliability perspective a bit of personalization angle okay and um, i think yeah ultimately uh, all all comes together with the 
with the trust in in our domain right if we can knit it all together we can be very transparently telling that this is what will going to be happening i think this all comes well so in some so, sense while well, there will be table stakes which will elevate because the consumer expectation has obviously gotten much 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 higher than what it was maybe even 3 years ago uh the battling ground weapons will end up being data driven personalization uh continuous effort and usability trust building with respect to all, the, all of these new users who are coming in right. their trust might not be because of the brand you have but because of the experience they personally had Absolutely. in terms of how you behaved at various things of bearing engagement yeah. and how they perceived you so this is interesting because uh the field is in some sense level all of you have access to the mm-hmm. same amount of underlying customer information perhaps mm-hmm. but who applies it more intelligently to the end users experience will end up having a continuous play absolutely absolutely but this is not a winner takes all market but uh, you know i'm going to switch to the whole consumer experience side of things but maybe as a segue into that does a typical consumer have multiple app relationships or is this more like a typically single relationship because the total trading base of india is at a certain scale mm-hmm. you have majorly five apps with uh, maybe a dozen odd legacy apps which are mm-hmm. playing in mm-hmm. this market what is the typical persona of, which is an active power user of you mm-hmm. today look like and how does that change in terms of uh, there'll be so many more people who will trade once a month versus so many more people who will trade once in 6 months how does the user ecosystem look i think uh, as i mentioned early on there are there would be a few minority who would be very vocally trading they would be astute they would be understanding this through and throughout and maybe these are the people who are earning their bread and butter by this okay. full time traders uh, full time traders right uh they are not just there because covid came in they were there they were there and they've been hanging on maybe covid kind of just um uh boosted that number to some extent um the other lot would be a uh, lot of passive traders are coming in um, this also kind of correlates with all the passive funds passive thing which are coming in your etfs your mutual funds we are seeing that will also increase over time okay um lot of new amcs are coming in Uh, who are uh, who are uh, kind of boosting that so this kind of user uh, would be um, investor kind of a persona who would leave it mm. you know, the indian economy will grow the market will grow there is um, they will continue with the market. buy and leave it alone sorts absolutely right these are investor personas whether it in equity or mutual funds um, then there obviously within the uh, between these two extremes there are different kind of traders there would be someone who is um taking a position there is there is a swing trader which we call somewhere between intraday and positional trader there are intraday ones obviously who are taking bets on so i think the your platform should be able to serve all this you know, mm. okay um there would be um there would be i think um, journey interventions for these if if we are able to find what exactly this user is which i said is slightly complicated right it's not not so clean but there are still signals for example as i said that um if we know that um you are a heavy trader maybe your intervention that for this chart your web view is far better than what you are probably straining yourself sure. on the app can actually be you know, a great way right so i think these are the kind of interventions one great uh, other insight which we have seen is that um our ios pieces by the way shaped up very well with the increasing apple devices in the country in last 2 3 years it has, it has become phenomenal and each of them personas as we know slightly more deeper investment savvy, savvy mm. absolutely um, now uh, lot of our uh, another trend which we have seen is that lot of these apple users may have a secondary android device okay because they are able to afford an apple probably they have uh, one more cheaper android for whatever reason and or, mm. or a premium android for that mm. matter right so this 
understanding this that multi device, device play patterns. correct mm-hmm. how you are panning out what are you doing i think all this helps a lot i think these sure. are these are few stitches we are doing around um, the entire uh, um, as i said that the entire again having different asset classes also just helps us uh, a lot of stitching. various kinds of consumers and their behaviors and the way to deal with them would be different but given that the category is growing and there's a lot of first timers coming in and that's where uh, maybe it's also the economic bracket within the urban kind mm-hmm. of ecosystems mm-hmm. and also the tier of cities where this is expanding the age brackets of when does somebody start making his first investment is also expanding so from your lens if you were to break down the whole market into major 3 or 4 or 5 user personas and this is where my segue to you know mm-hmm. the journeys of each of these personas would come in what would be the top few personas you mentioned the whole heavy trader which is web mm-hmm. first already you mentioned the positional trader versus the infrequent uh, kind mm-hmm. of guy who invests yeah. periodically in a systematic fashion is the second guy who else is a major persona and i mean i would i'm asking from the lens where the journeys of these guys in your system would look a little different from each other and at a systematic level you'll orchestrate them differently so what would be yeah. the top few and you could also potentially say that this is going to be a lot of micro segments mm-hmm. but in some sense is there like a top four or five major personas that you deal with uh, so I, i as i answered that these are the two extremes now on on the investment side it could be for example we have say people who are coming regularly say for a stock sip or a mutual fund sip okay mm-hmm. um we have um, we have a retention play that while people have started mutual fund sip they should continue investing longer and at some point as i mentioned can they switch no can they diversify towards equity okay within equity for example uh, we have uh, a guy who could be um, heavily on equity and staying invested as a portfolio holding right but then the customer realizes that um, there are funds which have invested in the same equity might as well sure. buy that fund okay which further diversifies right so i think uh, with the investor persona and the trader persona um, a novice comes in into our platform and it will slice into these okay mm. there would be a maturity curve when they will move to a trader persona and usually a lot of the first timers could be on the delivery side uh, initially and then they will become an intraday and then they will go to a slightly risky a bet of derivatives okay and that's um, the classic journey you would envisage most people absolutely, would take absolutely. so if you were to think about the people entering the ecosystem at this point it's largely the equity led kind correct, of place so correct. people who come in for equity transactions hopefully they've converted their kyc and i'm guessing there'll be a certain level of leakage there as well which you'll want to plug but let's say they've done their kyc they've done their first transaction or uh, maybe made a small equity investment in something from here onwards uh, what are the different paths that they would take and from a retention and engagement standpoint is there a communication philosophy uh, that you have that you will sell educate not oversell not uh, you know advise people on anything whatsoever how do you philosophically look at the engagement side given that your space is kind of regulated kind of yep. also ethics absolutely in some absolutely. sense uh, yeah it's it's a very we have to trade on a very thin line there absolutely um so yeah um uh, kyc done then you get your activation done which is with the way we define your our activation is the first trade done correct okay uh, with the maturity of by the way the other asset classes coming in this mm. activation may not necessarily be equity sure. it is initially It'll equity but more today, broad based. yeah for example i i told you we are already the second largest in our uh, first sip which is so a lot of now customers may start with mutual fund sip sure. or lump sum on mutual funds um, then the correct based on the user and and, and there is a time frame right uh, say 3 to 6 months this persona will take to graduate towards a trader uh, persona now within trader there could be micro segments right a swing trader positional trader intraday whatever right uh, segments give me uh, one example of any of these micro mm-hmm. segments as to how did you articulate the segment basis the behavior patterns because ultimately this is all coming from some kind of 
blurred users data or yeah. transactional data which you are now classifying as a persona my worry tends to happen is you know whatever your retention blurred mm-hmm. team looks like ultimately it will start to have that many more variables and that many more personas and segments that how many let's say journeys are going to design mm-hmm. right and that becomes a topic of concern as correct, well at some correct, point correct. because it has to scale and if it gets too fragmented you don't necessarily know what the different content that has to go on each of these months and how frequently it has to refresh because it's an operational nightmare as well. Mm-hmm. So is this a product side issue when we do the retention guy who's doing all of this? How does it overlap with the marketing org and mm-hmm. how do you orchestrate some of these executions? Uh, I think uh, I would say a mix of all this. So um, by the way, that also helps me answer that articulated in this way that today retention is spread across um, product and business it's sure. it's not by the way either or it's yeah, sure. hand yeah. right and within business um, there would be growth and say core uh, revenue team right which mm-hmm. is more on monetization and retention so it's again split okay and um, there are two tracks i think which are horizontally supporting this for mm-hmm. example communication as a play right whether mm-hmm. we are communicating who who of these are communicating so product will also do product valuables which will mm-hmm. intervene um, for example are we launching say more and more sticky products uh, uh, i'll give an example for example we recently did basket order uh, okay. it's a basket of orders you can do multiple orders in one shot it's almost like a cart thing you keep adding and then you do one shot so all the heavy traders require that sure um, we did something called trade from charts okay mm. uh, where while you're looking into the graphs you can actually trade from there we have um, just on the retention side as you said as a persona we have uh best practices like uh, if you put your stop losses if you put your alerts chances are that you your uh you may completely not devoid of losses but you will be probably better off mm. than, than those negative surprises right okay. so these are the few interventions you can tell these new people that okay mm. you started putting your stop loss this is kind of the order you should uh, right uh, normally will help um this is all core on the equity side okay because then these heavy traders Uh, tend to become right, oh, it's well, it's, this management practice has <coughs> to come in so there are interventions i'm saying which we come hmm. the the sheer uh, execution part of this that as i said lies between product and business both the communication and the data is the horizontal which binds this right so communication can be done by a product also communication can be done by say for example few the retention campaigns can be done by the business also hmm. in this case it's not just product okay uh, product uh, talking about uh, my org for example we recently did a ceo's newsletter and we got one of the best read rates on that email by the way email sure. as you know doesn't give uh, anyone in this country i think uh, great i think numbers and f- more so for us because as you mentioned while few orgs may be um, defined that we will communicate lesser or very be very meticulous about it we we have a f- strategy of slightly overboard in there mm-hmm. don't we think that the customer may decide what to do what not to do we have some notification configs where you don't want to receive something you can definitely opt out but then we we are not conservative i would mm. say it will be unfair to say our, our dna has been that let's go and communicate so between um, growth uh, slash business plus product i think we have uh, a fair play on who's communicating all there are obviously some ground rules that this much you can't do we are tr- and by the way a lot of that i would say is still in baking okay sure. uh, it's not like we have hit the nirvana there mm. uh, so whether ankur will receive something different or ankit will not i think to some extent we have done largely on the app communication would be uh, mm. far more personalized but 
uh, off the app channels. Across channels. I think that's that's where we will still come in progress. Yeah. Okay, still up. But in terms of the, uh, you know, let's just take one user persona and mm-hmm. his retention journey from here. Mm-hmm. I'm a new trader. I mm-hmm. started with one stock investment, and now uh, I've shown some amount of behavior, maybe the amount of the ticket size of my investment, mm-hmm. the time between when I came in to the time I invested. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming each of these are parameters that you care about Absolutely. and you look at, right, as to what kind of person sure. are you dealing with here. And how would my journey navigate? What would product do? What would business do? And where would you want me to transition from here? This okay, is what behavior. Right. So, uh, answering the product part first, um, the first, I think, hiccups which we see in this journey is before even you take your first trade. Okay? Sure. So, you are acquired, um, you are discovering and being new, you are uh, probably confused, right, from where to start. Now, there are different ways, right? The stock discovery, for example, is uh, is an just mm. an upcoming thing which is you will see. Um, our search will probably help you in that. Uh, your recent search is what you have done. Um, it could be, by the way, biased because of your profession. If you are from a pharma sector, probably you will look up to pharma stocks. Do you ask me that question? How I, do you find out from a... a no, a, I'm saying from your searches. Sure, okay? from my searches. Right, so it could be adjacencies to that searches, right? Um, if you have invested, say, for example, for example, a lot of people will just go to, say, Nifty 50 because they know that this is straightforward, yeah. right? Maybe we'll probably try to show you, say, more Nifty 50, right? Um, this becomes your onboarding experience. This becomes like, this is on the app. Okay. Mm. Um, so next time when you come back, um, when your app goes in background or you're probably killed and you come back, probably it'll start from there, right? So that's some basic context. Housekeeping. Um, once you have done your first trade, um, then more and more, I think, based on that uh, data and the behavioral data, right? That's actually transaction done. So we have got some mm. transaction data. We yeah. have got some behavioral, right? We will then probably nudge you uh, for example if you have been on the charts coming frequently we have again an intervention called if you are we are if your fno for example is activated which is derivatives uh, there is a quick to kind of a derivative product called insta trade on our app okay so that helps you very simplified version of an options trading where we'll give a very simplified three strikes one of them you can take it you can predict uh, almost like um, that whether nifty will go up and down and you can take a strike on nifty which is an underline and you can start off so i think these are some examples which will help you to move to the next step okay we are trying to still evolve this and make it like much more i would say concrete and say that this is probably the second or third step you should do today there mm-hmm. is a choice there so you can still get confused or figure out yourself but i think it will be even better that if we are able to tell that out of these, after the first trade done, these are the two probably next things you should do. Catch in this system is that, as you said, we'll have to learn. Okay. Yeah. The, the next place actually is going to be based on intelligence and Correct. it might look different for different people. Different. So maybe at a conceptual level, if I were to uh, think of this and, and the product lens, you like the word growth hacking a lot. Mm-hmm. In my impression, the world where product managers are doing all of this work on retention, there'll be tons of growth loops, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point of the user's journey, you made this small intervention, which should have ideally sent him this way. 50% people will go, maybe 50% will not go, and this loop completes here. And this is one little automated journey. Mm-hmm. And you might have hundreds of such little automated Absolutely. journeys in play, right? Because for us, uh, a power user on the platform ends up running 100 and maybe sometimes even more yeah, than that journeys. Because on an everyday basis, you're not going to tinker with everything. You no, will change no, some no, parameters absolutely. so it improves your click rate, your open rate, your conversion okay. rates, your end outcome. But 
in steady state you have lots of these things going on at the same time and and the product manager level or the retention marketer level is not something that he is going and doing a blast campaign every day no. you choose a segment you choose a certain funnel you choose that leakage you fix it in some fashion partly maybe and over a period it will keep getting better and better and better and optimal so conceptually if it's the set of finite people doing this any which way there's no way you can have a large number of individually crafted comms being sent out every day absolutely i think no no i think this has to be with very sacrosanct set of few defined set in hands right uh, few hands should have to be able you know, because what's very interesting is there's a world of people where i know that there is a large copywriting team mm-hmm. and perhaps sometimes an html design team <laughs> to define some 300 or html that they have to send out to those 300 or segments on an everyday basis or every twice a week kind of basis which seems very hard for me to scale because you know the more segments you create the harder it will get for yeah. you to get copy and at some point the copy org also will cap out on the different segments you'll correct, create correct correct i think that so it turns out one of the problem statements being faced by people is when they're trying to scale content the cost of getting copy done itself starts to shoot up and which is odd because i mean ultimately you have to templateize and automate most of this Absolutely. and which is where the irony of a product org versus a marketing org lies mm-hmm. right so marketing org is very obsessed with great copy the product org thinks automation so you will find those little loops the basic copy template components aage mm-hmm. piche but the components in between will end up being the personalizing tokens that you will get from the behavior yeah. in some exactly. sense so ankit you called something you use the word nirvana mm-hmm. and i'm assuming you have a fair picture of what that would look like for you would you help us break it down for a little bit as to what the nirvana means from the user engagement communication lens okay yeah i think um, in in maybe very crisp way if you are able to define that this persona will be happy with this uh, quantified number of right say so this much messages of this cadder in their say different phases of evolution on a platform probably that's nirvana okay now mm-hmm. okay that's a very crisp point <laughs> you right? have to break it down but a bit. yeah let's let's break it up because i think um, um, also what, what we are seeing is right see the entire tenuity of the users on who have just come in it's it's like this deluge has just come in so they will also learn so we can't predict that by the way uh, the uh, the user who has just joined on the platform and just joined means like 6 months back how it will pan out okay while at a macro level we can say that there are needs of this customer needs states which we need to answer but whether he he or she will need it today tomorrow right how many times i think the macro level we understand that everyone will come back and invest probably long term in an sip they will have holdings which ideally should be patient enough but right today they have a need of probably a or they get a high on a trading today they have to Uh, we can't we can't i'm saying put a barrier there right so that's why i'm saying that chances of going wrong to if we fragment it too thin are fairly high mm. okay uh, till we have a substantial base to learn from and and our cdp plus our behavioral analytics for our transaction data plus in the regulatory uh, within that regulatory framework yeah. okay because by the way that's also changing very frequently mm. so um kycs which are done now may not look like by the way similar when kyc will be done say one year down the line because but two years down the line because i'm saying uh, as you mentioned right probably there could be few overlaps with whether it's a existing broker customer or a new customer we may have some information passing in recently we saw this uh, interesting intervention from india stack right the entire account aggregator hmm. okay the consent framework uh um we have utilized that by the way in our uh, activation play for fno sure. uh, where through customer consent we can take the bank statement hmm. now all those will play a huge role uh, in say other products right tomorrow we'll in lending also reduce friction in a lot absolutely, of spaces absolutely absolutely hmm. so i'm saying the more and more people and it's not just angel right the more and more people will give the consent on the consent framework the next acquisition will become actually very easy for yeah. everyone for probably a different asset class 
Okay. Sure. Right. So I think all this will pan out quite far, hmm. very differently. So I think the only way we can answer your question is that be nimble and agile, keep learning on this. And if you have a broad, I, I would say capability to probably tune in, that's far better than knowing exactly solving it today. So we, I think that's, that's where we are hinting towards that we should be prepared better. And more and more, um, which I mentioned earlier, that as a product org, if we are able to do these experiments and learn this more than before we roll out, I think that's where ultimately the answer would be. You know, it's very exciting for a 25-year-old company like Angel Broking to be able to talk this language today, having spent the last three years building this entirely tech-first, almost digital native org with people coming in from the right kind of backgrounds. And the fact that you want to be doing more experiments and more A-B tests and more real-time learnings from your own uh, platform and your consumers. Thank you so much for doing this, Ankit. This was extremely exciting and informative for me. I hope you had a good time as well. Thank you. Thanks a lot. So the story of Angel Broking is an interesting one, truly that of a nimble-footed legacy giant. For a 25-year-old company to now still be relevant in the age of very, very digital native savvy players, the likes of Grow and Zerodha, they've really, really come a long way with respect to their investment in technology, UX, as well as data science. The fact that this is a top-level commitment from the founding team really shows in the way things have translated and transpired over the last few years. It's really fascinating how Ankit obsesses over the stars framework, given that it's a place where people park their money. It's very serious for them to have it simple, transparent, available, reliable, and speedy. You can always imagine the implication of a platform losing out in one of these places and then this causes a massive breach of trust which would be very expensive in this business. The part that I also find fascinating is Ankit comes from a 16-year travel industry background which is to say that you actually need people with more the hunger to learn and grow and do new things compared to domain expertise. Here's wishing Angel1, the new platform, the super app, the best of success.